This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. This episode contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, June 29th, the Two Kids Max edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Karen Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is 10 and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's 11, Oliver, who's nine, and Teddy, who's six. And this is our last week in Colorado Springs, Colorado. My name is Hari Kunabolu. I'm a comedian and writer who just released the special Vacation Baby on YouTube for free. My kid's name is Arjun. He's almost three years old, and we are in Brooklyn, New York. Hari, we are thrilled to have you. Welcome to the show. Absolutely. Pleasure to be here. We're going to start today sharing a few parenting triumphs and fails, and then we'll give some advice to a listener who has her heart set on a big family but her husband wants two kids, no more. Finally, if you're sticking around for Slate Plus, we're gonna be talking about children's books that are mm, a lot worse than you remembered. Here's what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. He took the monkey, this man in a yellow hat, brought him to another country, doesn't even put him in a place with other monkeys. He's living with the monkey, so it's not like you're not even exposing the monkey to like other creatures like him. It's like, no, this is... The audacity of calling him curious. You locked him in an apartment, man. Like, what do you think? <laughs> he wants to get out. He's not supposed to be here. And now he wants to know, where am I? And also, how do I get out of here? Just all of it. It's just, it's a- And then they're, they're always mad at him. Like, what did you think? Like, you let the monkey be a substitute teacher. Oh, what did you think was going to happen? You're lucky <laughs> that that monkey doesn't claw your face off. There are real world <laughs> examples of this. As a Slate Plus member, you'll get a whole bonus segment each week and all your favorite Slate podcasts ad-free. It's truly the best way to listen and the best way to support the show. You can sign up for Slate Plus now at slate.com slash momanddadplus. All right, we're going to jump into triumphs and fails as soon as we get back from this short break. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Saks.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
So Elizabeth, what have you been up to this week? Your last week in Colorado. My last week in Colorado, we are we are packing everything up to move to Tokyo. The kids and I have kind of a long segue there. We're going to Atlanta, then we're going to be in Hawaii, then we will finally arrive in Tokyo sometime in August. So that is all very exciting. And before I start, I have to just say like a huge thanks to all of our friends here who I have called in all of the favors, like shameless, can you just come take my kids? <laughs> like, like, you know, shit sitting the fan here kind of thing. But we, in the midst of all this, went to the dentist and discovered that Teddy has five teeth that are loose and like need to come out. Like Teddy tends to let them kind of like hang until the last moment. And the dentist is like, look, he's got kind of deep grooves. There's like saliva sitting there. It's gross. They need to come out. So we're like, all right. He has his heart set on getting one of these shot out by a Nerf gun. He has a friend that has done this at school, and he wants this more than anything else. We don't have any Nerf guns in the house, but our dear friends Michaela and them do. Michaela's husband, Ryan, was like, yeah, bring him over. I will, you know, tie the thing. I will make sure this tooth comes out. I mean, it's like hanging by nothing. So we go over there last night, tie the tooth to the Nerf gun. We stand out by the deck because we're thinking if we like shoot it down, there's more time. First little bullet out of the gun, like dud, like it just like pops out. Okay, so we're like, all right, all right. He is like, he really, he wants this so bad. Second bullet, same thing, like dud. So I'm standing there. And as uh, one of the other kids is like pulling the trigger, because, you know, there's nothing better than getting to shoot your friend's tooth out. As what he goes tooth to- is, I'm sorry, I need a visual. What okay. tooth is this? This So it's it's one of the front teeth, front top, okay. and we've tied a piece of dental floss around the top of the tooth, like okay. where it hits the gum. And then we've tied the other end to the Nerf bullet, which we then load into this Nerf gun. And the idea is that we will shoot the Nerf gun and it will pull the tooth out and, uh, you know, go flying into the... But so far, this is not happening. Like, the, the gun just does not have enough power. Oh. So as as the kid... Pull, but he's done it before. Like, we know that it works. I mean, Teddy hasn't done it, but our friends have done it. I mean, you definitely so know he, CPS will not get involved in this, right? Like, this isn't... So- yeah, well, I mean, we right. hope, right? I mean, when he first said he wanted it shot out, I thought he wanted someone to shoot it at his face. <laughs> and that's I was what like, I was visualizing. No. <laughs> like, that's just a hard no. No, he wants it to, like, fly out. So as the third one goes, I'm just thinking, like, we, this tooth has to come out. So again, the bullet kind of, like, is going down, and I just grab the the bullet and the, the floss and yank oh. it and throw it, and the tooth comes out, and all the parents are like, <gasps> and the kids are all cheering because they think it's been shot out, and of course, my friend is taking the video in slow-mo, and you can see that I, like, just ripped my kid's tooth oh out of my his mouth. God. He's ecstatic. <laughs> <laughs> But I definitely committed some kind of fraud. (laughs) I'm not sure. But here's the thing. He's so happy. He is like telling my parents, I shot my, you know, tooth out. It worked. (laughs) I'm thinking, no, I pulled the tooth out. How, like, in was that tooth? Was it really in the gum? It was so loose. It was was so loose. day now at that point. Any day now. Like, like could bend all the way forward, but wouldn't go all the way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think by pulling the floss, I mean, the tooth was still like attached to oh my the God. floss when we found it in the yard. You know, he's my littlest. We've lost a lot of teeth, but this was like the most dramatic. And I don't typically do things like this, but I'm just thinking like, I don't want this tooth to fall out when I'm flying with them or like him swallow it or any of these other terrible things. So I guess it was just better for me to yank his tooth out, which I did. But he doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't watch the video. 
Well, my friend uh, cut the video. So it's like the, the, she's like, oh man. So like the, the, we see the Nerf gun leave and then nothing. <laughs> That's incredible, Elizabeth. The image is very jarring in my head. Yeah. It's almost, at least the video would give me something which I'm sure wasn't nearly as graphic. But in my head, it is very jarring. No, no, it was it was as jar like literally every parent standing there gasped as yeah. I just like yeah you know and like threw it into the yeah. yard, hoping the tooth would come with it. Yeah, not my finest moment. Well, Hari, what is up in your week of parenting? Well, I mean, this triumph is not just this week, but it's been a, it's a gradual building. Like the kid listens to, to to pretty good music, right? He listens to like the kid's stuff. Uh, you know, like all the different Sesame Street songs or whatever, he's, he's into that. But like, since he was a year and a half, two years, we've been playing lots of music for him. And so initially, like, you know, he liked Beyonce and, and he'd like want stuff off the new record. And, and that's, that's my partner's taste, right? Like, that's yeah. definitely, I like Beyonce, but like, she's the one that was really drilling that, that in, right? Like my partner and I are around the same age, but she's the cool parent that's kept up to date with music. And me, it like stopped in 2000. So it's everything I listened to from childhood to about 2000. So, you know, mm-hmm. the first couple of songs he was obsessed with were uh, Love Shack by the B-52s <laughs> and uh, Mama Said Knock You Out, which we have so many videos of us doing that song together. And so initially, you know, it was cute. Like, oh, there's a couple of uh, good songs. And so when I was putting him down at night, I started singing a bunch of like alternative rock songs from the 90s, which is weird because I've listened to so many other things since then. But for some reason, the stuff I listened to in high school, I can remember every single word. And so I started, so I'm singing some Weezer to him and, you know, Depeche Mode and things like that. And now he's like obsessed with those songs. He calls them daddy songs and he requests them constantly. I asked him, how many songs do you want? And initially it used to be four. We're up to 10 now. And he like, <laughs> will act, will go through like, I, I want to hear in the garage. And then I've got to sing in the garage. I'm like, I, w- I want to hear. Oh no, I said too much, which is his way of saying losing my religion by REM. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, and then it's gotten to the point where it's like, I want to hear a message to you, Rudy, which I initially played him from the specials like second wave british ska you know and i'm like this kid's gonna be a cool kid and then all of a sudden he listened to multiple versions because you know when you put a song it just kind of plays different yeah you know and now he just says i want the dandy livingston version which for a two and a half year old to demand the original jamaican version of this song is is mind-blowing like it's mind-blowing like the kid's cooler than I am. Like he's gotten into Depeche mode. He'll tell me it's it's personal Jesus. Uh, just can't get enough. Enjoy the silence. And then there are other songs I have never heard before that he requests because he's been listening to the Depeche mode station. He names songs that I don't know. And then I have to give him the phone and he like starts pressing buttons and he gets the one he wants. Like, and so part of me is like excited that this kid likes some of this music. But the other part of me is like, I don't want to keep singing the same songs every single time I have to put him down for a nap or or for like his his sleep at night. I don't want to play the same songs on my phone over and over and over. And he doesn't let me alternate. It has to be 
the same songs in whatever order he's into that day. There are songs that I should never have sang him that now are there, like Teenage Dirtbag by Weedus. It's it's not a great song, but it was catchy when I was 17. He wants he wants to hear Closing Time by Semisonic. Oh no. At, at which it made sense initially. Go, it's time to sleep. It's bedtime. Closing time. Yeah. But it's just he wants me to do that song all the time, which I'm sick of. And then there are songs that just seem inappropriate that I sang when he couldn't understand anything because he was less than a year that he wants, like, I'm on fire by Bruce Springsteen. Like, hey, little girl, is your daddy home? Does he go and leave you all alone at night? I got a bad desire. Oh, oh, I'm on fire. Like, two-year-old's not supposed to know that. It's just a creepy song. (laughs) You know, they can always expand to love present day music you know i have a kid who's an old school music person too she identifies as a 90s kid even though she was born in 2013 but she's all on the new stuff she tells me about stuff i've never heard of she talks about ice spice and pink pantherist and all this stuff so he'll get there you know but he'll have this cool foundation you know and his teachers will be impressed (laughs) by it naima's teachers always compliment her on she knows her stuff she's an old school girl I mean, I need to mix. I also, I need to get off like just alternative rock. I gotta play. I, I should be playing some tribe for him. I should be playing. I was gonna say, where's the tribe? Where's the Wu Tang? It, it's again. This is the stuff that like I listened to in high school that I remember all the words to. I think you're on the right. We get a lot of questions from parents who are stuck in the opposite. Like they're they're locked into like kids songs, and their kids just want that on repeat, or like the very popular like pop and they just can't take it yeah. anymore and they write in asking like what are we supposed to do how do we lay a foundation so see <laughs> you, you've gone the complete opposite lullabies. <laughs> jamila how has your week been so i've got a good old fail for me a, perhaps a triumph for naima i don't know yesterday we went to color me mine which is a chain of places where you can go and paint pottery. It's already made. You pick out the shapes. Um, It's a little pricey. And, you know, you paint them and they fire them up and you come pick them up in four or five days. So we've been a few times. It's near our house. And Naima usually gets frustrated with her work. You know, she wants it to be perfect. You know, she's... I think the last time we went, she painted a unicorn. She wasn't happy with the unicorn. You know, like she wants them to be really perfect. And this is like hard, you know, like I've made some terrible stuff since we went. Last time when I made a mug, it was so ugly. You know, I made a plate. It was terrible. She asked me to go. So we go and she's painting a mermaid, you know, and she wants to make it look like Halle Bailey. So she pulls up a picture of Halle Bailey on her phone and she's looking at it for inspiration and she gets very frustrated with it. You know, she's like, it looks crazy. It's terrible. And she gives up on it. You know, I asked the one, I was like, can we like rinse off some of the paint? Cause these pieces are like $25 a piece, you know, so we're not starting over. Um, you know, like, can we wash off some of the paint? She's like, yeah, I can get some of it off, but you know, I can't get it all off. It'll get a little too murky. And, you know, Naima gets frustrated and she just covers the whole thing in purple paint. She just like paints over. She'd already painted the face brown and had eye, you know, and she just covers it in purple paint. She's just like, I'm frustrated, you know? And I was like, Naima, no, like you need to finish this up. 
I said, I think you're being really petty and childish right now. And so she's like, I have to go to the bathroom. And she storms to the bathroom. So I give her a second by herself and I go back there and she reads me. She's like, you know, I'm frustrated. You're our, I made a cat. Your cat came out so well and you don't know what it's like to not be the one who's good at things, you know? And I'm like, Naima, I'm not a great artist. And it took me years to be able to make something like this, you know, like you're not a painter, like that's fine. She said, you know, and for you to tell me I'm being childish, guess what, mom? I am a child. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, self-awareness. Self-awareness. So what exactly am I supposed to do? And once again, Naima had asserted her dominance over me. I had nothing to say back to that. I just got very quiet. And we left. You know, her piece got thrown away because she like destroyed it. You you didn't even fire it? No, like she put the paint was all over. It was ruined, you know, like she just really messed it up. And I told I wanted her to finish it like, okay, well, if it's going to be purple, make it purple. And she just gave up on it. And I just, you know, and I was frustrated because I wanted her to complete it, you know, which is what I was trying to explain to her. Because the painting pottery is such a it's like one, what you paint looks one way and then it comes out something totally different. Like I've had things that I thought were going to be gorgeous and yeah. were awful. And the other way, like I've painted things that are like, well, this is a disaster <laughs> and they've come out and they've been fine. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that's kind of the ruse too, but oh, I feel for her. <laughs> she says, I don't ever want to come back here that's again. Hilarious. I know that's not true. I know she's going to ask to go back. I don't know if I'm going to take her back. I know. What do you do? Like next time, what do you do? Because it feels like you want to redo, but you know it's going to happen. My kids exactly say that all the time too. And I'm like, well, yes, I've been painting pottery for, you know, 40 years. I mean, not all of it, but uh, you've been painting for five. <laughs> so mine should be better. Mine should be better. Can I be better at something? You can sing, you can dance. Like, what do I do? But I mean, ceramic, come on, it's like you are underselling it. You're not good at painting ceramic. That is quite the. Yeah, I'm like, like, you're not a ceramics painter. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm sorry sorry that that was your dream. (laughs) 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 Ah, this age is so hard, Jamila. It's like they they want to be big, right? I mean, I just feel like I feel for these big kids. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to take another quick break. We'll see you back here for our listener question. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We're back. Let's hear today's listener question. Dear Mom and Dad, I've been listening to the podcast for a decade, long before I had my own kid. I'm the proud mom to a 17-month-old son. I love children. My career is built around children, too. I'm a therapist for kids and teens. My son is my whole world. I come from a small family. One brother, no cousins. I've always dreamed of having a big family. My husband recently decided he is adamant that he only wants two kids, max. Three kids is completely off the table for him. He has good reason. He's immunocompromised, and this past cold and flu season with our germy toddler was hard on his health. He thinks that having three kids in the house could be unsafe for his health, and he's probably right. To say that I am devastated is an understatement. I feel like I'm grieving the one life dream I've had for my entire life. I feel like my identity is being shoved under a rug. I'm afraid that movies like The Family Stone or My Big Fat Greek Wedding will always trigger feelings of resentment and sadness. I'm afraid that I will be terribly jealous of my friends with three kids. Most of all, I'm afraid I will be spending the later part of my life alone. My husband is doing well right now, but... He has a disease that significantly impacts life expectancy. I'm incredibly close with both of my parents, but not my brother. I have two best girlfriends, but they both have sisters, and they won't need me like I will need them. I am terrified of the idea that my one or two adult children will have to spend holidays with partners, and I will be by myself. If I were to have even one more kid, there are greater odds that I will have someone who will want to spend holidays with me. I'm at a loss. How can I cope? Two kids. Max. Harry, what do you think? I feel like, one, you're saying, I want a third kid. That's what I've always imagined. Yeah, my partner's immunocompromised. He has a good reason. You acknowledge that. But this dream of three kids is not going to be there. You have two kids and you want specifically three. She has one now, but her husband is only open to having another one. Oh, so he, he is, they're open for two. She's open to... He's open to two, you know, oh, two kids max. I mean, I, they have a 17-month-old. I mean, again, the fact that he's immunocompromised and he's willing to say, let's have another kid, even though I, it does put my health in jeopardy. It, so in your dream life, your partner isn't immunocompromised, you know, like, this is your partner. This person has to deal with that. And it's not to say that your your desires are, are and, and your 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 wants for your future are not relevant, but like, this is the reality that you have. And he's already, you know, w- willing to have another kid with you, despite the fact 
you acknowledge also it's a health thing. First of all, I, I, I don't necessarily think it's the healthiest way to think of your life that far ahead. And also one where the people in your life are just pieces for you to play with, right? Like they're not, you know, yeah. there for you. They're there because they're human beings that exist with their own desires and wants. And, and so the, all these assumptions I don't think are necessarily healthy. I want to hold this person's hand and say, take a deep breath. <laughs> like there's a lot of life between one kid and two kids and two kids and three kids. I think that it is very possible that you have the second kid and your mind changes. I think it's very possible you have the second kid and his mind changes. I think how sick he is, where medical stuff is at the time that you have, you know, all of these kids changes. Um, I just know we, when Jeff and I got married, we, he wanted like a lot of children and I wanted like one, maybe two. (laughs) And by the time I was having the second, I was like, I want to have a third kid. And he was like, this is total chaos. We're not having a third, right? I, I just feel like life, especially with kids, moves so quickly that I right now wouldn't start worrying about whether or not you have a third kid until you're there. If you're ready to have a second, have a second, work on that, <laughs> see how that goes. I completely agree with you, Hari, though, that this idea that having a kid to fix a future problem of your own is just not the right reasons. Like, it sounds like you have a lot of things that you're worried about, and none of those are reasons to to have another kid. And not all of them will be fixed by having another kid. That's and right. so I really think that some therapy about your concerns about your husband's condition, maybe couples therapy, just digging into those emotions that you feel alone I think you, letter writer, make a bunch of assumptions about what your life is going to look like and that these friends that have sisters won't need you. I I just think that um, there are other ways to fill those voids that is not necessarily having a kid. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a third child. I'm not saying you should. I think you and your husband, when you get to that point, are going to have to sit down and have a real conversation about what you want your family to look like. And it is going to be a very hard conversation and there's going to be tears and maybe that needs to be done um, in therapy or maybe you're just at a different place. But I think you have put so much ahead of you, like going from one kid to two kids is really, really hard. It's really hard. And so I think in my mind, I would say, get through that if that's what you both want. Focus on having, you know, two kids and then reevaluate. You're you're a lot nicer than I was. I'm sorry I was a, I was a bit harsh there. I think, <laughs> I guess to me, because like, I know what it feels like to have like anxiety and go, yeah. you're ruminating about something over and over and you're going way into the future. But again, you know, if you're also worried about your husband dying and, and being alone, then, you know, having a third kid when it might risk his health is probably also, you know, counterproductive to that end. As you both have said, like, you have the husband that you have. I mean, I think you should be grateful that he's willing to put his health at risk again to have a second baby because the first one has been hard on him, you know. And God forbid you all have a third child and your husband gets really sick and doesn't recover, you know, and then you'd be raising three kids alone. 
Um, I understand that this was a life dream that you've had. And maybe you and your husband, you say he recently decided that he only wants two kids, Max. So maybe this was something you all had been open to in the past. And it's okay to grieve that, you know, you're from a small family, you wanted a big family. It's totally okay to be sad about that. But you know, there are other ways to address the potential loneliness that you could feel in the in the future. And hopefully your husband will live a long, you know, healthy life and exceed your expectations. But even if he doesn't, you know, if you have two children, if you only have the one child, you know, what you have to do is build a relationship with them where they want to be there for you. Yeah. You know, you may be grandma who gets on the plane to go visit her kids at the holidays, you know, every year. You may find yourself, you know, needing to adjust to their lives in order to have their company. And that's OK. But this is just not a good or healthy reason to have a third child and your husband is against it. So I agree with Elizabeth. I think that you need to get into some therapy for yourself, talk through these feelings, maybe identify just what is it about having a big family that means so much to you um, and try to move past it. And by the way, a family of four is not a small family. You know, that's still two kids. The odds are pretty good. You've got two kids. One of them will want to fuck with you when you're old. You know, like, you'll be fine. Well, I think, too, there's a lot of, even if she only stops at one, like, either, you know, they just decide or can't have kids. You just never know what the future is going to hold. There are a lot of ways that you can bond with one child that is p- impossible to do once you have multiple kids. Yeah. Um, I see that a lot. You, you know, one of our best friends here is a, they're a single child family and they get to do so much more and have a very different relationship than we do because they get to operate differently. Um, and so I, I think also like, don't count that. There are a lot of like beautiful, wonderful things about having one kid that, that parents can pour into and that you can pour into and bond with having another child to fix the problem, like we've all been saying, may not be actually what you, what you need or fi- that ends up fixing it. And also, I think just generally, you can't see your partner as a conduit to the things you want. Like this yeah. person is a person you love. And it. I'm hoping it's not just, well, with this person, I'm going to get what I want. He'll get me what I want, which is, a, in this case, like be the father of another child. Um, and your kids aren't conduits to like, well, then they'll cover this, this and this. Like, I'm, you know, that's not how people work. Um so I think just not viewing people as a means to an end is probably also just generally a good rule. All right, two kids, Max. Thank you so much for writing to us. Uh, fellow listeners, if you have advice for two kids, Max, you can always share it at momanddadatslate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-357-9318. And that's our show. Please subscribe, leave a rating and review and tell your friends. Harry will be back with us on Monday where we'll be talking about his new special, Vacation Baby. Don't forget to tune in. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Mara Curry. Shasha Leonard is the voice of our listeners. Alicia Montgomery is VP of Slate Audio. For Elizabeth Newcamp and Hari Kondabolu, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thanks for listening. <laughs>